Uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, welcome Palm Bay to land. We're glad you're there. Um, we're going to start today with a time of prayer uh, for the folks up in the Midwest. Um, a lot of my friends and family live right in that path that went through. Uh, I don't have any, uh, praise God, none of my family was hurt. But I will show you one of our, this is a, the brother of one of our church members. This is his house. It's all that's left. Fortunately, they were out of town at the time. Uh, but this story is being played out. We've still got people trapped. There's a whole lot of crazy stories going on. Uh, we were not going to have a mission this week, but guess what? Here you go. Uh, so if you're online, it's highlighted mission, or you can hi give the highlighted missions right off of your phone as well uh, on our site. And there's also a box out in the lobby. Uh, we've already got money going to Samaritan's Purse. We found a, a Baptist church in Mayfield that's one of the, the mission, uh, one of the collection sites. We're working with them, and we're going to be helping this family directly. That's the three things that we know right now. So let's just pray. Father, we cry out for those who are in need right now. <clears throat> We've been there. We, uh, we do know what it feels like. But yet people have lost their lives. Others have lost family members. Some still can't find their family members. People are trapped. There's so many crazy stories playing out here, God. We need your help. And above all, this is a chance for the church to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to provide the food, the clothes, the medicine, the housing, whatever's needed, God. So, Lord, would you use Tomoka Christian Church to be at least one of those fingers that can be a help to this tragic situation. Father, hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, it bothers me. I watched some other people last night. It bothers me. You know, a lot of things bother me, so it's okay. But it just bothers me when I see churches pray and they don't do anything. I'm like, okay, that was nice, but my family has nothing to eat. How does that prayer help me? Say a prayer and then do something. That's Christianity. Does that make sense to everybody? All right, that's, that's free. I just had to say that. But um, I'm going to make a statement right out of the gate just to... Just to defend the faith out of the millions of archaeological items that have been found throughout the world that have to do with biblical history, not one piece has ever disproved a single verse in the Bible. Now, wouldn't you think that if the Bible was the fairy tale that the world makes it out to be, and it's such a fairy tale, it's banned in 46 countries around the world, that we would have all kinds of evidence disproving what's in the Bible. And the truth is, every time we find a new find, it confirms something else in the Bible. Now, not every verse has been confirmed, but ever so often they find something else, and you're like, oh, well, look at that. And it's sometimes it's the most obscure things, but God's Word is confirmed over and over again. You know, Jesus talked about this when He rode this donkey into Jerusalem, when He comes in to celebrate the week He's going to be killed, and He said, if the people are quiet, the rocks will cry out. So the truth of God is there. And it's there for the digging. Now... Digging has always been a, a major part of archaeology. And I don't know if you saw this story, but recently in New York, they were doing some digging. They went down 10 feet and they found some copper wire. 
Now, scientists will grab anything, right? And they said, this proves that New York had phone systems 100 years ago. So California went to work. And they went down 20 feet. And they found a little bit of copper. And they said, this proves that 200 years ago, California had phone lines. So the guys here in Florida went to work. They went down 30 feet. And they concluded that 300 years ago, because they found nothing, and they concluded that 300 years ago, Florida had already gone wireless. <laughs> Those of you that are sitting in 12-degree weather, it's 82. You know what I'm saying? All right, I had to put on socks. It was a crazy, it was a crazy morning. All right, so Jesus is a baby. <clears throat> now, I want you to keep your Bibles out. You're going to need them today, as always, because you need to double check what's being said. And I'm going to throw out some references that you'll probably want to write down and go, go home and do some work. But we talked about last week, Jesus is a fetus. Jesus is a baby. We'll get to Jesus as a man. Jesus is a resurrected man. We'll get to, we'll get to that as we unfold this series through uh, the Christmas season. But we're going to start today with Jesus as the baby. This is truly the Christmas story uh, as you know it. And that's, that's what we're going to focus on. And it is the most amazing plan. And it's been so perverted by our culture. And social media just takes the perversion to another level. All right, There was no sexual relationship between God and Mary. All right. And you, there's just, I mean, just perverted stuff that's out there. It's been said for years, but now social media is picking up on it. I'm going to show you in this text what God did. And I think God's going to blow your mind. So if you'll stand, I will uh, read to you from Matthew chapter one. Uh, we're going to look at verses 18 down to 24. So this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. It's an amazing passage. You can be seated. So what's going on here? All right. First of all, there's a discussion about a direct deposit from God. All right. Now, this is, this is where, the, the, again, the perversion comes in. And certainly if you look at Roman gods and Greek gods and Babylonian gods, you have all this, this 
crazy sexual behavior going on between God and man. Satan's been trying to pervert the story of Jesus since the beginning of time. But this is not what happened, all right? It does not say there was any kind of sexual relationship. It says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Jesus was placed inside of Mary, all right? Now, we don't have time to go into this, but at the end of that passage, you might want to circle this because maybe this is your lesson for the day. It says that Joseph did everything God commanded him. Man, we could live right there, couldn't we? We could do a whole message just talking about that. What has God commanded me to do? And am I doing it? Am I faithful? He said, do this, don't do that. Be faithful to this. Be a part of this. Am I being... I only know one other place it says this. It says it about Noah. And I'll come back to him later. It says, it says that Noah, chapter 7, verse 22 of Genesis. Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. Those two, those two verses just get me. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's all you needed to hear today. But I want to get into this direct deposit idea. What God was up to. All right, This goes all the way back to the very beginning of time. When Adam was created... Adam was created in the image of God, and Adam was a perfect man. Yes? He was made in the image of God, he was like God, he thought like God, he had the character of God, and he was told to stay away from one particular tree. Right? Adam and Eve go to that tree, you'd think they would have moved to the other side of the planet, but they didn't. And sin enters the world. And sin enters very quickly. So Adam and Eve get thrown out of the Garden of Eden. They've got two boys, Cain and Abel. They get in a fight and Cain kills Abel. Nobody even knows what killing is, but it started right out of the gate. What we have going on in our culture is nothing new. There was probably somebody filing for a rock band right then. But it's, it's been going on since the beginning of time because it's sin. It is the nature of mankind. And then by, it's, it's 1,600 years from chapter 2 till you get to chapter 6 in Genesis when you get to the story of Noah. All right, chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 covers the flood, the flood story. That's how important this is in the history of mankind. But it says by the time of Noah that every thought and every deed and every action and every consideration of every man was evil all the time. That's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? And God said, I've had it. I'm going to wipe the place out. But Noah was found righteous in the sight of God. One guy left. Now let me explain to you what's going on here. First of all, yes, their actions, their deeds, their perversion, it's all out there. But the issue is their bloodline. Satan has infiltrated, infiltrated their bloodline and they're all perverted. That's why they're acting the way they're acting. And Noah has got the only pure bloodline. See, Satan's eating people up because we need a pure bloodline to get to who? To get to Jesus. Because we've got to have a pure bloodline to get to the Savior of the world. Noah's the only one left. That's why God wipes things out and he starts over. They don't go a whole lot better after the flood. And then we get to the time of Joseph and Mary. And we've got Mary who is pure... But all of mankind is perverted. What's man got? 
What disease does man have? Sin. Sin. So any relationship between Joseph and Mary is going to produce another sinful being. And a sinful being is not qualified to take away the sins of the world. You've got to have a pure, sinless person. Now this is where it gets good. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21, complex. It's maybe one of the most complex passages, but dig into it because here the long and short of it is this. It's in, in 519 is the core of it. It says that whatever Adam did, the second Adam fixed. What Adam did, Jesus fixed. Everything Adam broke, all the sin that he invited into the world, Jesus canceled the debt. Jesus provided for that. His blood forgives everything and everyone. But he's not done yet. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, Paul goes into this in great depth and he talks about the second Adam, the last Adam, the final Adam, the ultimate Adam. You might even say the superman would be a pretty good translation of the word. The word Adam in Hebrew, Adam, it means red dirt. Adam was created from the dirt there on the hill in Jerusalem, on the mountain in Jerusalem. And then he says, but the second Adam came into the world to undo and to fix everything that Adam broke. What does that tell me? It tells me that only two people were born in a particular way. See, people, there's arguments going on now that life doesn't begin at conception. Life doesn't begin with a heartbeat. Life begins when something is actually breathing. Tell me how that works for a fish. It's free. Right. They say, well, because look at Adam. Life began when God breathed into Adam. Only two people ever started their lives that way. Adam and the second Adam named Jesus. All of the rest of us were conceived naturally in a human way. And with that first heartbeat, we became human. That's the gift that God gave us. But this, this picture of how God stepped in because he... Jesus had to be pure and he had to be perfect. So Jesus is created in the womb. Jesus is not created. He is the almighty God. But in human flesh, he is created the same way that Adam was in the image of God and with pure perfection. Now, here's what people don't understand. Maybe you don't understand. When Jesus died, well, the churches that teach the opposite of this, so you need to pay attention. When Jesus died, according to Romans 5, he paid every single debt on the earth. Whether you accepted Jesus or not, Jesus paid your debt. Your decision to accept Jesus decides whether you get to keep it or not. But Romans 5 says that everybody's debt was paid. In fact, John 3, 16 makes that pretty clear, doesn't it? God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whosoever, the blood is for everyone. Nobody's left out. It doesn't matter what you're rich, poor, what language you speak, what color you are. Jesus' blood finished the deal for everybody. He was the final Adam. He was the Superman. And then it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7... It says, you and I have this treasure now in earthen jars. 
This is it. We have this treasure of God inside of ourselves. And it's our job now to help other people understand how Jesus feels about them and about who he is. And again, I read all this great, well, a lot of times it's from preachers. And I'm like, no, this is so simple. It's, it's hard maybe to grasp, but the simplicity of it that God said, I will come and take your place. It'll be a direct deposit because any other way God would have moved, there could never have been purity and perfection. And you and I would still be lost in our souls. Our souls would be lost in our sins. That's what I was trying to say. All right, let's move on. In the second part of this, he talks about as the scriptures had to be fulfilled. This seems to be the the real trigger for Joseph. (coughs) As you might imagine, Joseph is struggling with this whole deal that's going down here. All right. Probably Joseph is in his 30s. Mary's 14. Uh, This was not uncommon during that time. You're in a small little village. They might have been the only two single people in the village. It's very possible. And uh, so Joseph's wife maybe has died. Maybe he's never been married. We don't know the details here. But the engagement that takes place is, in our culture, the same as being married. Once you're engaged, it's a done deal. You just haven't had the formal ceremony yet, and therefore there's been no consummation of the relationship. And Joseph finds out she's pregnant. And he's such a righteous man, which shows you that God chose the right guy and the right lady here. He said, I'll have to put her away quietly. How do you do that in a village of 300 people? I don't know if you guys ever lived in a town like that, but I did. And you don't hide anything. But Joseph's like, i got to find a way to protect Mary even in the middle of this horrible situation. Angel comes to Joseph the same way that the angel had come to Mary. And he speaks to Joseph, but he says, As the prophet has foretold, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a, a baby. And that baby will take away the sins of the world. Now, Joseph has to decide, could this really be happening in my time? Could this really be my story? Is this, is this for real? But that's when he gets up and says, says, he did everything God commanded him. And it said, not only, self-control here, not only did he take Mary to be his wife, but he had no relationship with her until after Jesus was born so that the purity would remain. This is, this is the integrity that we're looking at here. Now, I put up the number here, 1817. You're thinking he's going to tell me some, going to tell me something about some president. No. This is how many prophecies have already been fulfilled in your Bible. The first one's in Genesis 3.15, and then you can just keep going. But that's how many prophecies have already been fulfilled. So you are risking your soul in a very deep way if you dare to not believe the Bible. Archaeology confirms it completely. And 1,817 prophecies have already been fulfilled (coughs) exactly the way the Scripture said they would be fulfilled. And there's only two or three left. And the major one is Jesus coming back. I'd want to be ready for that. And I listen to people go, Oh, you can't believe that old book. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, you ought to do some homework. If my soul was on the line for something, I'd want to know the truth. 
At least I'd want to make my own decision. I wouldn't go to hell because of my grandfather or my cousin or a professor in college. I would make my own choice. The scripture had to be fulfilled. Let me just give you three. They're pretty amazing. Out of 1800, all right? Uh, mathematically, absolutely impossible to, to fake this stuff. But it says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Jesus would be born where? In Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. When the wise men show up to see King Herod, King Herod is Jewish, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, Herod gets a group of people together and he goes, hey, what's going on? All these people are here to see the newborn king. Where is this newborn king to be born? Herod should have known. He was Jewish. He should have known where Jesus was going to be born. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. The scribes got together and said, oh yeah, it's just over the hill. That's, that's where it's going to happen. Then in Hosea 11, by the way, Micah and Hosea both go back 700 years before Jesus, just like Isaiah does. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, it says, my son will be called out of Egypt. Now, if you're Jesus, all right, it's going to be pretty difficult. How many of you got to choose where you were born? Can I see your hands? Yeah. You had nothing to say about it. So he's born in Bethlehem. But then 700 years before it happens, <clears throat> they don't know what's going to happen. But we know that Joseph and Mary fled from Herod because Herod has put out a decree to kill all the babies two years old and younger. So an angel comes and says, Joseph, you need to get down to Egypt. So we know that Joseph and Mary went to Egypt and they stayed down there four or five years until they get word that Herod has died. And then they come back. He'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll be called out of Egypt. And he will be called a Nazarene. Where does it, where's Joseph and Mary's home? Nazareth. Now, just those three ought to be enough to convince you. I mean, you've got to work a pretty tight conspiracy theory to think just that those three could be fulfilled by accident. Mark fourteen forty nine says it this way, and we have seen. <clears throat> we have that verse, yeah, fourteen forty nine. Back one verse, I think. I can do that one too, but maybe we don't have that one. We do have that one. Every day I was with you. I didn't do it last night, so I throw people off. Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts. Jesus said, and you did not arrest me, but. The scriptures must be fulfilled. That's why these stories are so important. Because why Satan tries to stop Jesus even from getting to the cross. He tries to kill Jesus at the whipping station. He tries to kill Jesus in the wilderness. He tries to kill Jesus while he's carrying the cross. Because if Jesus doesn't get to the cross, all the scriptures aren't fulfilled. But Jesus said, all the scriptures will be fulfilled. Now again, if it was me, you, I'd want to know. Man, if this book, is this book really that powerful? <clears throat> well, again, I ask you the question, why is it banned in 46 countries? Why are people so afraid of this book? Do you hear professors slamming 
Buddhist books, Islamic books, anything. No, they always attack the Bible. They're not even smart enough to know who's running their attack. But I'm telling you, the Bible will hold up for itself. Historically, archaeologically, God's word is true. And the prophecies are there to prove it. And that was the convincing thing for Joseph. When the angel says to Joseph, this whole story is just like the prophet said, that would have went off in his head. Because Joseph, would have, he knew the scripture, he'd memorized it. Joseph knows that verse in Isaiah. As soon as the angel starts saying, he'd have been like, oh my, I'm the recipient of that verse? Yeah, he would have known very well what it meant. And then, of course, the, the keynote all right, to the whole thing is his name will be called Jesus because he will be the Savior of the world. Again, it's interesting. So this is all false, but have you noticed names? Have you noticed people name their children? They name their children things like Mary, uh-huh. Joseph. I don't know anybody named Jezebel. I don't know anybody named Herod or Stalin. But in the Spanish culture, you see a lot of children named Jesus. And people are like, well, that, doesn't that seem weird? Because we're not smart enough to understand that in English that would be Joshua. Yeah. So it's like, it's like well, how come the Spanish people do that? Well, we do the same thing in English. All right. Joshua, Jesus, Yeshua. It just depends whether you're talking English, Greek. Uh, Spanish, it, it, but it's the same name. But again, you see, you see those names being used because the names identify ourselves with those fulfilled prophecies. And Jesus came to save the world. First John chapter four. Here's the verse. It says, "And when we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world." What I want you to see there is the bullseye that that is set. There's, no, there's nothing there to miss, is there? Why did Jesus come? To teach us to be good people. To teach us good morals. No. He came to bring dead people back to life. Jesus came to save people from their souls. At Christmas time, like no other, you and I have an opportunity to invite people. Out there in the lobby, there's all the invitations to Christmas Eve. We've got the whole world moving to Florida. If you have any doubt, try to drive down Granada. Statistically, when people move, even if they move across town, but especially if they move from another place, is when they're most open to an invitation to a church. And at Christmas time, like no other, Jesus came to save us from our sin. U.S. Grant, let me finish with this. All right. Anybody, pre- anybody remember when Grant was president? Anybody? Uh, got a cu- couple down front. Nice. We'll talk later. Um, <clears throat> it's been a while, right? It's been a while. But the, our Congress, this is just a week or so ago, our Congress put a bill up uh, to posthumously, that means after he's dead, of course, uh, to make him the top commander of the army so that Grant will hold the same position in history that George Washington did. 
Now, I have a couple thoughts. Number one, I'm glad there's really nothing else pressing in Congress. That made me feel, <laughs> made me feel good. Um, <clears throat> but this was my second thought. It's only the posthumous rewards that matter. Now, that reward does not matter to Mr. Grant. He's long gone. But in eternity, that's the only rewards that matter. What rewards we get here? Didn't, uh, didn't the hurricane just show you that you can have everything and have nothing in the morning? So it's not about this world. It's what gifts I'm going to get in eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story of Jesus as a baby and as we walk through this entire story of the life, we are blown away at your goodness, your fulfillment of Scripture, the prophecies that unfold in front of us, that you never leave yourself without a witness. And we stand with the hundreds of millions who have gone before us, who have risked their lives, their faith, their honor, to continue to follow you, follow you when a culture that was so corrupt around them. Lord, for people today that needed some hope, I pray they got that. For those who need to accept you, I pray that this is the day. Um, Lord, I can only ask that your spirit would apply what words we've put on the table today. In Jesus' name.